This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 78 with guest Jamie Mendel. All links and resources you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 78. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. And as always, I'm very excited that you are here and I'm very excited for today's guest. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Jamie Mandel is a health and lifestyle coach specializing in helping women master their lives by diving deep into supreme self-care. Through coaching women on mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual self-care, she has helped thousands of women heal their relationships with food, their bodies, and themselves. She believes that the most important relationship a woman has in her life is with herself, and she shows women how to make that relationship exceptional. Jamie is a regular contributor to Women's Health, Mind Body Green, and Huffington Post, and writes almost weekly for her own website at jamiemandel.com. Calm. Self-care. I mean, who doesn't need help in that area, right? You all do. You'll hear in the episode, um, I was pretty, well, I was getting over a cold in the episode and I, I don't really sound like myself. I'm actually, as I'm recording this intro, um, pretty much almost 100%. I sound, I sound not, not exactly like myself, but I'm a lot better than what you're about to hear. <laughs> um, I wanted to take a moment to tell you all about the Triple T Retreat, uh, Tanning Tacos and Transformation Retreat that I do every year with two of my favorite friends and colleagues, Kira Sabin and Amy Smith. And we are going to Mexico in May for several days, and I would love to have you. We got some extra spots. Um, we originally sold out the the retreat sold out in August. Um, we promoted it in August. All 30 spots sold out and Kira was able to somehow manage to secure about 15 additional spots and those are being snatched up. So if you would like to go, I highly suggest you go to triple T, it's the word triple, the letter T, retreat.com. It's exactly what it says, tanning tacos and transformation. It's five days, four nights, all inclusive. We are every day of the retreat, we are diving in deep on topics that are relevant to the struggles in your life and will help you gain new mindsets and strategies for change. We're also doing something a little bit different this year than we didn't do um, on our cruise. The previous time we went, we went on a cruise. We're not going on a cruise this time, but we are going to help you strategize ways to take what you learn on the retreat home with you. Because it's one thing to be really excited when you're there and you're like, yes, I'm going to bring this back into my life. And then when you're surrounded with all these women and life coaches who are willing and able to do this and motivated and inspired with you. But then when you go home to your partners and your kids and your coworkers and your families, it's like, womp, womp. Like they're not, <laughs> they're not as well versed in this and they don't have the strategies. So you're like, now what do I do? And a lot of times stuff goes out the window and that sucks. We don't want that for you. So we are specifically going to set aside some time to be able to strategize that with you and look at potential obstacles so you can 
practice all the stuff that you learned in your daily life. And some people are kind of freaked out because they're like, I am just so afraid to go on this by myself. I mean, it's kind of like you know me because you listen to me all the time, but you don't really know me. So I'm kind of like a stranger and it's kind of weird and awkward and that you don't know anyone there. And it's, it's weird. I get it. The thing is, the last time we did this, I think there was only one, well, there was two women that came together. And other than that, nobody knew each other. Same thing this round. There's maybe a handful of women. Uh, there's there's about three, I think, that are coming from last year. So they'll know each other. And then I know we have a mother-daughter duo. And then other than that, I'm pretty sure that's it. Everyone else is coming alone and they don't know anyone. And they're probably just as afraid as you are. So all that to say, don't use that as an excuse, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, triple T retreat.com. There's a payment plan so you can spread your payments out. I know it's the holidays and you might be like, oh my God, do you even know how strapped I am for cash? Yes, I get it. There's a payment plan. I would love to see you there. There's links also in the show notes. And without further ado, here is Jamie. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the Your Kick Ass Life podcast. And I'm joined by Ms. Jamie Mandel. Hey, Jamie. Hey. Jamie and I go way back. We've known each other for, I noticed that the last Skype call we had was in 2013. I think when you interviewed me when my book came out, we've known each other for like three years now. We have. Yes, we have. In the internet <laughs> world, that's a long time. <laughs> and we've even met in person, which this is a is lot true. more than we can say for a I lot know, of people. That is true. Time. You're even better in real life. Um, and we're talking all about self-care today with Jamie. I'm very excited. I, you're my first guest, actually, that I've interviewed specifically on this topic. And what a better topic to talk about while I am sick, obviously. People are like, who's hosting? It doesn't sound like Andrea. I It sounds worse than it actu- than I actually feel. Um, we're, we're actually taping this after just after Thanksgiving. So I was sick over the Thanksgiving break. Actually, I wasn't sick on Thanksgiving. It was right after that. It was bad. And then now I'm at that point where it's like, went into my lungs and it's gross. Call. I, I'll spare you guys the details, but it was grody and just, <laughs> and now it sounds like this. <laughs> really excited to talk about this topic and let's dive straight in because I, self-care I think is one of those buzzwords that we hear in personal development and you know, like, oh, just make sure to take care of yourself. What does your self-care look like? And tell us, like, I want to start by you telling us what are some common myths about self-care that you see and hear a lot in this industry? Mm-hmm. You know, when I first heard the term self-care many years ago, first of all, I had no idea what that even really meant. I remember one of my, my first health coach, I don't, this was a long time ago, asked me what I do for self-care. And I just looked at her like a deer in headlights and had no idea what she was talking about. And truthfully, I wasn't really taking care of myself at the time. And then, you know, I, I sort of be, began to associate it with things like getting massages and, you know, bubble drinking baths. green mm-hmm. juice and bubble baths. And those are all really nice things. But the way that I define self-care is so much deeper than that. So it's not just about the bubble baths and the green juice, which are all nice things. But it's really about, you know, our relationship with ourselves in every, on every level, So that means our mental health. So how we're taking care of ourselves mentally, you know, are we 
buying into our inner critic and our ego and beating ourselves up all day? Or are we creating a mindset that's actually supporting us and empowering us? And do we have tools to know how to get from one, you know, one way of thinking to the other? Emotional self-care. So how do we handle our feelings? And, you know, like, you know, life is up and down every Mm -hmm. single day and it's not supposed to be great all the time. And, you know, we're not going to be happy all the time. And if we think we are going to be, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. So it's really about how to handle our emotions in really beautiful ways so that we can get through or feel like we can handle whatever life throws at us. And these are things that, you know, I, I didn't know how to, and I know we'll probably get into that later. You know, I struggled with food for a long time and it was because I, you know, both of those things I just mentioned, my mental self-care, my emotional self-care were just totally out of whack. And then, you know, of course, self-care is around our relationship with food and our body. So how we're physically taking care of ourselves Um, and then also soulful or spiritual self-care. So, you know, are we living in a way that makes us happy? Are we listening to our intuition? Are we doing things that light us up and inspire us? So, that's how I define self-care. I think that, you know, the common way people associate it with or the common things people associate it with, like the bubble baths and all that, is just such a tiny, tiny part of what self-care really means. Mm-hmm. Manny petties And yes, yeah. I, I agree. And I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way because I think it's still really common that, that people think that that's what it is. And it's interesting that you say that, like when you when you had, you know, that first quite when someone asked you that for the first time and you deer in headlights, the same thing happened to me. <laughs> I was like, it was during the part where like, I knew my marriage was like falling apart, but I didn't know what was going on at that point. I didn't know that my former husband was having an affair, but I knew things were not good. And I used to nanny, um, for this little girl, for this really amazing family. And I, I it's so interesting, like looking back on my life, like you see like these little kind of like angel mentors, but this one woman, her name was Elaine. And she said, um, she told me like, you just need to really, and I was 30 at the time, you know, it's not like I was like a 16 year old girl. And she said, you just really need to start taking care of yourself. And I wish that I would have broken down and said, I don't even know what that means. Can you tell me? Because I, I, I distinctly remember thinking, I don't know what that looks like because I had never been, I had never taken care of myself like financially and yeah. like mentally and emotionally and spiritually, like, no, I had always relied on other people. And, and I think that that's fairly common. Like we don't yeah. know because no one's ever really taught us. I think, yeah, I think no one really does teach us. And I think looking back at my life, the things that I've learned around self-care, I never, I never learned growing up. I, I know who would have taught me. I mean, I didn't know any of so many of the things that I know now about what it really means to take care of myself. I just was clueless. And I think that you know, growing up, we're so focused on so many external things, you know, like our careers and getting the right job and school and, you know, checking all these boxes off in our lives that, you know, we're not really taught how to go inward and really take care of our relationship with ourselves in all these deep ways. And so we get to be adults and we're kind of unhappy and we're like living in a way that's not really maybe right for us in a lot of ways or in relation, you know, in relationships, but we don't know how to take care of ourselves within those relationships. And yeah, I see this, you know, like the more that I've really brought self-care to the forefront of my business, I see that women, so many women are, don't know, like we just don't know how to do this. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a huge topic. Yeah. Well, you talk, you mentioned briefly about how self extreme self-care has helped you heal your food and weight issues. So can yeah. you start by telling us what your food and weight issues were? Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So when I was about 16, I went on my first diet, I guess, and, and saw myself starting to eat emotionally. I had a, I remember my boyfriend in high school cheated on me. And after that, I was starting to like pick at food a lot. And I found myself in our pantry just eating because I was bored and I didn't really know how to deal with a lot of the feelings that came up from the breakup. And then I think from that, from that point, I sort of went into my first diet, even though I really didn't looking back, I did not need to diet. I was a perfectly fit, you know, teenager. Mm -hmm. But I thought I did, and I was unhappy, and I had just been cheated on, and, you know, I didn't feel good about myself, and I was just very lost. And so I was kind of grasping onto something that I thought I could control and that, you know, might make me happier in some way. Um, And I also put a lot of value on my body. I was always told I had a good body, you know, growing up. I was athletic, and I, I started to see my body changing at that same time. So I was, you know, getting boobs and a butt and like my body was changing like it should have. And I just felt like, oh, my gosh, if I, you know, got all of this positive attention from my body and that's where my value was and then I was going to lose that, you know, really at a deep level. Now I can see looking back, I was very scared that I wasn't going to be loved. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was so anyway, a lot of factors, I think, kind of threw me into the whole dieting world. And from then on, it was like a 10 year thing for, I mean, I was all over the map with it. I was dieting, I was binging, I was dieting, I was binging. That was kind of my pattern. So, you know, I tried every diet under the sun. And then I was a big binger. I just would throw in the towel and eat everything and then start a new diet the next day. And through this whole process, my weight definitely went way up and down for many, many years. And, you know, I was a big emotional eater. There were moments, you know, there were times where within those 10 years where I would be quote unquote successful at a diet and lose all the weight, but I never learned how to actually eat. So then I would gain all the weight back. Mm-hmm. And it was a really painful time. And, you know, my self-esteem with every diet and every weight gain and all of that was just getting lower and lower and lower. And, you know, I was just obsessed with it all. And I couldn't figure it out. And it was really upsetting. And I was pretty successful in, in other areas of my life. But this was the one thing that I was just, I couldn't figure out. And there, I was, you know, it was very secretive as well. That's what I was just about to ask you. Did anybody yeah. know what you were going through? Not really. And that was part of my whole issue. I just couldn't, you know, I always felt like I had to have everything together and I did have a lot together. And it was very hard for me to tell people that I was struggling with this. The binges I was completely ashamed of, you know, didn't, no one, no one knew about that Mm -hmm. until many years later. Now the whole world knows about it. It's all over my website, Mm -hmm. but at that point, no one knew. And no, I just didn't, I didn't, I was so lost. Like I just didn't know how to figure it out. I couldn't talk about it. Um, even when I first signed up for my, my working with my first health coach, I remember I I wasn't even totally honest with her. Mm -hmm. I was so ashamed of some, some of my behavior that I just couldn't even tell her and she probably has seen it all. 
so yeah, it was a, it was a big struggle and there were lots of little pieces of it that, you know, um, added up to it, it being just a really tough time for me. Yeah. It's, well, and I'm sure that your story, like there's a lot of people listening who can relate to the behavior and how you were feeling too. I know, I know I can very much so. And so I'm also curious what kinds of things did you do to implement in your life to heal? And maybe even before you answer that, like what was your breaking point where you knew like you couldn't go on behaving like that anymore and you needed to change? Like, was there something that happened? Well, I think I really got to a point where I just really saw my life kind of passing me by. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I wasn't able to engage in my life because I was letting the food stuff and the weight stuff completely take over. And, you know, I just knew that I like couldn't keep living like that. I mean, I just was, I was not living my life and, you know, I would cancel plans mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to date and I felt horrible about my just body. Isolating. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but I was like still desperately trying to hold up this facade and be social and be great with my family and all that. So it wasn't isolating to the point where people were like, what's wrong with her? But it was secretly kind of isolating mm-hmm. in little ways that I could get away with. Um, I'm going to stop you for a second, Jamie, because yeah. like what I've, I, I, I think I, I wrote about this recently and, um, in, in, in a, I had a podcast episode where I talked about my own eating disorder and, and I also had a interesting relationship with codependency and love addiction. And oh. this was my experience. I don't, I don't know if it was yours as well, but I had these, the same thing where I was isolating and pulled back from people. So it was like, like intimacy and love and connection was that thing that I desperately wanted so much because it's what we all want. <clears throat> like it's mm-hmm. what we're all striving for. Mm-hmm. And I, at the same time, was so terrified of it. Like, because to be intimate requires vulnerability. And I said this in my solo podcast episode. I said there was a time in my life where I, I really think I would have rather died than have been vulnerable with somebody yeah. else and like let somebody see how actually kind of fucked up I was and and like we all kind of are you know like even now today like to have someone actually see that to fall apart in front of someone and say like I'm not okay and can you help me like that to me was a a no 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 I will not do that but I desperately wanted somebody to help me so it's like this I, I mean I said like I was in a total shit pickle like what do I do like and I think that at least this was for me and I had to get to a place where I could not bear it anymore. Like I, I knew like, because it is exhausting to do that. And I think that all of us have like this pain tolerance and you have to get to yours where you're just like, okay, I'm done. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I'm going to, I have to start to let down my walls. So was that what, what it was like for you somewhat? Yeah. I mean, I remember like, if I think back to those years, I don't even think I ever considered talking to someone and, and saying, this is what I'm going through. It like, Mm -hmm. didn't even cross my mind, which is wild to Mm -hmm. me, you know, like now I like tell everyone everything (laughs) all the time. (laughs) But like back then, I don't even think I can't even remember like a conversation in my head around, should I just tell someone everything? I don't even think I, it crossed my mind to mm-hmm. talk to someone about how much I was struggling. I was it. really angry because I felt like, shouldn't everybody know? Like, shouldn't yeah. everybody know how much pain I was in? And I, I was a big blamer. And I'm like, if, if y'all would just act right, you know, yeah. if like my boyfriend would stop cheating on me. If, <laughs> you know, if my parents would, would never have gotten divorced, like then I would be okay. And I wouldn't be this hot mess. I went yeah. through that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think later on, 
when I had more perspective, I, I did actually get angry a little bit at my parents because I saw I could put the pieces together as to why I was like that. And I know a lot of it was my own stuff, but a lot of it was kind of, you know, I grew up in a household where it was just not really okay to have problems. Like, it, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was okay, kind of, but not really. And well, you didn't talk about them. What? Probably. You probably yeah, just didn't no. talk about them. No, no. And, you know, later on, I really had to explain to my parents, I need you guys to be okay with me not being okay. Mm -hmm. And this happened many times in my life after that. I went through a horrible breakup this past year. And I had to go back to that conversation with my parents and say, no, I'm not going to get it together. No, I'm not going to like move on until I'm ready to move on. And, you know, this is what happened with food for 10 years. This is why I struggled with food because I didn't feel like it was okay to talk about my feelings and be open and break down. And I, I need this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, everything's so related. Yeah. I didn't, I, I just, it, at that point, it didn't even cross my mind to even talk to people until, to be honest, it was on a food, like I, I uh, started a food blog years later while I was still kind of figuring foods, my food stuff out, but I was in a little bit of a better place. And then it was on my food, on that blog that I started opening up about things and my friends and family didn't even know. Like it it was, Mm -hmm. I I opened up more to the random public Mm -hmm. than to my friends and family. And obviously they then read it. And, you know, a lot of them were like, wow, I had no idea that you struggled in this way. And, you know, they just didn't know. Yeah, I do the same thing. It's funny. It's funny what blogs will drag out of people. I know. know. (laughs) You're like, just, you feel in some ways it's easier to just, you know, say things to the internet. Yeah. Well, you meant, I want to go back to the question and, and I, I did cut you off. I didn't really give you a chance to answer it, but you mentioned, you know, having like probably one of the things is like having a tough conversation with your parents has been healing for you, but what kinds of, what other things did you implement in your life to start healing from that? Yeah. So one of the biggest things with my relationship with food was discovering intuitive eating. So I, I read a book in the peak of my struggle. Like I, I had a horrible summer this one summer. I was working in this crazy finance job, this internship, and I was just like binging like crazy and totally out of control. And I went to Barnes and Noble to look for my next diet book. And I saw this intuitive eating book and I, you know, when you read something and it just like, ugh, just hits you where you know it's true and there's mm-hmm. just something about it. And I read this book and it was all about just forgetting about all these rules and restrictions and getting back to your true self around food. And it was so much bigger to me than just food. It was just, yes, it was about paying attention to yourself around food and like letting go of all these shoulds. But it was also just about coming back to yourself in general and like forgetting a lot of these rules and ideas that you've kind of put on yourself. So I remember reading it and being like, wow, this is totally my thing. And, but it was so hard to implement it. And I just <laughs> couldn't do it. I tried for like a day and it just, and then the next night I was eating a box of Teddy grams. Like mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't do it. So later on though, years later, I picked it back up and I really started there and I, I really just threw out a lot of the rules and got back to my core, got back to, you know, what are the foods I loved as a kid? What makes me happy? What do I want to eat? 
you know, I deserve to enjoy my life, not just food, but my life. And, you know, I, I was, um, I started to be more like pleasure focused around food instead of deprivation focused. And then that kind of trickled into my life where I was like, I've just spent 10 years, you know, making myself go to the gym all the time and, you know, telling myself I can't go to happy hour because of all the extra calories. And I, everything Mm. in my life had to be so hard because I really think kind of the way you do one thing's the way you do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And my whole relationship with food was based on deprivation and restriction. And that's really how I was living my life too. Mm -hmm. So I really started opening my life up to my joy and doing things that made me happy and realizing that I can be happy in my life and things can be easier and things can be more exciting and more inspiring, not just with food, but with everything. And, you know, so I started traveling more. I started this food blog because I was really interested in um, uh, cooking and recipes and taking photos of food and stuff like that. Um, eventually that turned into my business and I quit my finance job, which again was also like something I thought I should do that I really didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. I started dating. I started going out and having so much fun in the city and hanging out with my friends more. I mean, I really just started having a good time and doing the things that made me happy and getting out of this deprivation. Life has to be hard. You have to struggle Mm -hmm. mentality. You know, and then I also worked on, you know, I worked with different coaches. I got really into self-development stuff, really working on my mindset and how I saw myself. And another huge thing is I really started uh, emotionally opening up to people. And I knew that I could no longer turn to food. It just was not an option. And I would rather sit there in so much pain and cry my heart out instead of turning to food, I just couldn't do it to myself anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was a really weird time starting to Mm -hmm. show my friends the real me and the fact that I struggle and I'm sad sometimes and I'm upset and things impact me and, you know, just unraveling in some ways to them. And it was weird because your friends kind of see you in one way and then you all of a sudden show them who you really are. And it's like, it was an adjustment period for sure. Well, that well, let's stop and talk about that for a second because <clears throat> I know that a lot of my listeners, I think there comes a point to. Cause I'm gonna I'm gonna back up a minute. I think there comes a point in our lives where we, you know, we're out of college and we may be well beyond that, and we, you know, our friends may have come and gone, and we find ourselves at a point where um, we either have friendships that we haven't really maintained, where we just kind of touch base with them once in a while, or um, we are looking at a place where we don't really have any great friendships. And so mm-hmm. I think I, I'd like to start um, kind of in the middle. And because I know that you have a really powerful post where you, you talk about self-care and there's a big list and that'll be in the show notes, you guys, too, if you want to read it. But one of the things that you say is to, is um, seeing your girlfriends regularly. So my question for you is, and I know this is really hard for a lot of people listening is how did you make that leap? Like, cause it sounds to me that you just got to a place where like you were saying, like you could not turn to food anymore. Like, so was it like you just drew the line in the sand and just kind of said, fuck it. Like I'm going to open my heart to my girlfriends or like, Mm -hmm. like what did you trust them enough? Or were you kind of like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. What did it look like? Well, I, I think I've been very lucky that I have really strong girlfriends who, I, I think I knew would be there for me, mm-hmm. um, but I will say, so there was this one time where 
I was in, I was traveling. I was in Greece with one of my friends, one of my best friends who I've known since um, seventh grade. So we go pretty far back. And, you know, up until that, that point, I mean, I was maybe 26 or 25 at the time. She really just saw me as having it all together. And I remember we were, tra- we were traveling. We took all these um, pictures of me, of us in ba- like on the beach in bathing suits, whatever. And I looked at them and I was just so upset with how I looked and I was having a real like body image moment. And rather than keeping it in- inside, I just kind of cried or whatever. I like let myself be sad and show that to her. And I actually was like pretty upset and she was really taken aback and she said something. She was like, I've never like seen you like that. And I, I had just a, bl- a blunt conversation with her. Maybe it was the, that night or the next day. And I said, look, Hey, I'm not, you know, I struggled with food for a long time. And a lot of this, a lot of it was because I, I couldn't talk about my real feelings and, you know, I need to be able to share these things with you and I'll be fine and we'll get through this stuff. But, you know, I want to be able to, to come to you and I don't want to ha- feel like I have to have it all together all the time. And she's like, okay, got it. And, you know, then that, that was, you know, one of those conversations where I, it was just a conversation. I just mm-hmm. needed to say to her what I needed from her. And since that point, I would say, you know, I slowly kind of started doing that with more of my friends and they are there for me. Um, they're all there in different ways. I will say, you know, some of them can't always handle all of it all the time. Others totally can. Everyone shows that they care and that they love you in very different ways. And that's something that's been a learning process too. But I will say that I don't really stop myself from expressing myself to them, they can, I give them like freedom to show up for me however they can. And I trust that they care, but I don't really hold myself back very much Mm -hmm. from my end with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I I love that. I, I wish I would have jotted down like what exactly it was that you said, but it was like two sentences where it was just, you simply said to your friend, like, I'm not always okay. And I want to be okay being able to tell you or something like that. Do you remember exactly what you said? Yeah. I said, you know, I, I said to her, I struggled with food for a long time because I didn't know how to express my feelings and I want, um, I want to be able, you know, I'm not okay all the time and I want to be able to, you know, talk to you about Mm -hmm. things when I'm not okay. That's what I was pointing at. I'm not okay all the time and I want to be able to talk to you. Like, that's it, you guys. Like, that's really all it takes. And I think that, I mean, I I just want to acknowledge that that leap takes a lot of vulnerability because Mm -hmm. you didn't know how she was going to react. I mean, I know you said like she was one of your good friends and you said she was taken aback by it. But I think that a lot of times when people can't be with that vulnerability in their own emotional self, they can't be with it with somebody else. And they may try and not do it very well or they might not try at all and I'm sure maybe sometimes some of you listening have experienced that with like family members or parents and stuff like that. And it can just be a mess. Mm -hmm. But I think that like my whole point is it is that like you have to try, like you have to keep trying. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I did not have those friendships (laughs) when I was in my twenties. Yeah, I certainly did not. And 
I'm not blaming my friends. Like I never had that conversation with my girlfriends, nor did they have it with me. Like we cried with each other and stuff, but it didn't, it was different. And, um, I just, I I think my point is to the listeners is that also I want to point out too, it doesn't have to be like six friends. It it just has, it's just one. And if you have two, you've hit the jackpot Mm -hmm. and just try and, and, you know, have those like really, they don't have to be these grandiose, like sit down, long, deep conversations. It can just Mm -hmm. be like exactly what Jamie said. So thank you for sharing that. That's just a really great story. Yeah. And, and two points about that, that I, I want to add too, is that, that I would say to your listeners is kind of, don't put so much pressure on what their response is because mm-hmm. like they're, they are all going to respond differently and this is for you. It's not for necessarily the response. It's just to be heard. It's to be listened to. It's to take that relationship to that next level by you being willing to share yourself with them and really trying to take the pressure off of them. They don't need to say the right things or do all the right things and everyone's going to do it differently but it's just opening yourself up to be, being able to share with them. And then the second thing that I will say is that I really have seen my friendships totally mm-hmm. change because I've been willing to be vulnerable with them because most people are scared of being vulnerable. Maybe mm-hmm. not everyone's turning to food the way I did, but, you know, by all you, of us are. I think we can really just say that all of us are. Yeah. I'm still scared of being vulnerable. I'm still, I'm totally still scared of being vulnerable in a lot of other areas of my life too. And it's scary and there's always more layers to it. But I do think that with friendships, I found that my friends and my family actually are so much more willing to let themselves unravel a little bit and let themselves be with their own feelings and express it, express those feelings in our relationships. Because I think that they saw, and I'm not saying that it's all because of me or anything, but I think that it's courageous to do that mm-hmm. and people see it's okay. And, you know, so by, by you doing that, it also just allows other women to see that that's okay. Yeah, you're so. modeling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that, that's really great. So I, um, I, always, I like to ask this question of my guests because, you know, we all like to sort of share the common humanity in each other. So mm-hmm. what still trips you up the most in this work? In other words, like, where do you find yourself calling on your own tools the most? <laughs> uh, relationships, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I think, you know, so I went through a, a tough breakup this year and then dating is <laughs> boys. <laughs> oh, boys. <laughs> Um, it's definitely my, the biggest place that my ego comes out to play and where my, my mindset is still, and my vulnerability is challenged. And yeah, I use my own tools all the time in that area and it's been interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> always it's lots of less- interesting. Lots and lots of lessons. Um, oh, yeah. And um, one last question before we wrap it up. What surprises you about the work you do with women? I think that women are, I, I guess I'm surprised by how when they really connect to themselves and, and just start a little bit, like just opening up a little bit more to the connection with themselves, how deep some of their the shifts they can see in their lives can mm-hmm. be. It just takes like a little bit of willingness and a little bit of, I don't like to call it work, but time, I guess, and devotion to it. 
to really like open up their world in a lot of ways. Because I think we, like I said, we go through our lives not really connecting to ourselves, not taking that time and giving ourselves that attention. And we're not used to doing that. And so when we start doing that just a little bit, it's like this whole world opens up and we realize, oh my gosh, I'm like so strong deep down in there. And I have this self-soother in me and I have this like wisdom in me that I just haven't really tapped into or paid attention to. And, you know, when we start to do that even a little bit, it's very empowering and we, we become much more resilient and a lot of amazing things. I've seen with women can come out from just a little bit of attention with themselves. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Well, thank you so much for being here yeah. and, and talking about this with us today. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, yeah. So jamiemendel.com. Um, and then on social media, I am Jamie A. Mendel on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. Again, it's been such a pleasure. And Thanks everybody, um, I hope my voice wasn't too annoying and you made it through the episode and for those of you that are celebrating christmas merry christmas and i wanted to let you know that we still have a few more spots left in the triple t retreat uh that is coming up in may we're going to mexico i'm sure you've heard about it plenty we opened up some more spots in december to for you to be able to sign up that's at triple t retreat.com and all of the links that we've talked about here including jamie's website and that blog post I mentioned about the list of things that she does for self-care can all be found at yourkickasslife.com forward slash seven, eight. And it's just easy to find the links there. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.